Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys, episode 8. This is our look into the upcoming Week 8 games across the NFL, and this episode is chock full of NFL goodness, including our regular weekly picks, a visit from the commish, and a dose of Halloween hijinks. But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central is Andy the Prognosticator, Atridge, what's up, Andy? Happy Halloween, Maddie. And to you, buddy. Well, thank you. We certainly had some scares this past week, going a mediocre five, six, and two against the spread. Both the Bills and the Jets lets lead slip away in the fourth quarter, giving both matchups a push. Now, Maddie's Bears won outright, despite the fact that they had more points than combined passing attempts and first downs. All thanks to safety Eddie Jackson, who was the first player ever to score two defensive touchdowns of 75 yards or more. Also, the first rookie to ever do that in a season. Mitch T was on fire, of course, completing four of seven for 107 yards. Hey, Maddie, by the way, I had more passing attempts with my six-year-old daughter on the weekend. It's not quantity, it's quality that matters. And with no major mistakes, I'll take a rookie Trubinsky managing a game over those unmanned gear stations, Mike Glennon or smoking Jay Cutler throwing the ball to the other team's defense any day of the week and twice on Sundays. That win was pure Bears football. Do it with defense. Big win for my Bears. Stop Bears. Stop Bears. Well, the Steelers were playing hide-and-seek in the end zone. Uh, the Titans and Browns played hide-and-seek with the end zone. Spoiler alert, the end zone won. The Browns are going to England to play at Twickenham Stadium against the Vikings. It's too bad they couldn't keep some of the Rams' 33 points on that scoreboard from last week to even out the playing field. I actually heard the team management might collect and burn their passports once the game is finished in the UK to ensure that their team can never return again to play in Ohio. You know, it absolutely blows my mind that to grow the game overseas, the keeper of the Shield, one Roger Goodell, is featuring one of the shittiest teams in all of professional sports. There's no way in hell that a Browns-Vikings game will make the NFL any fans, and it's possible they may even lose some fans with this tripe. Uh, for what these folks are paying for tickets across the pond, they should at least be seeing the best the league has to offer. Sometimes I don't think the Goodellbot 5000 is running with a full operating system, if you know what I mean. Everyone will participate in education sessions starting in the next month. Ow! This thing is broken! We can add, and we will do more. Do more. Do more. Do more. Get all the NFL owners on Skype! The, the thing do is more. broken again! And on the losing side, we're, we weren't even close with the 49ers. And I suppose if the Bengals managed more than 19 yards of offense against the Steelers in the second half, we may have had a shot of covering that one. The Broncos were handed their second embarrassing loss in a row. Obviously, the first one to the winless Giants at home, and this week to the hands of the Chargers. The Broncos were shut out for the first time since a guy named George Herbert Walker Bush occupied the Oval Office. Been quite a year. Had a little, got a little nauseous there in Tokyo. <laughs> Should have seen the look on the Prime Minister's face there. Oh, Mr. Bush, you look like you're going to blow chunk. Ironic as well, because a lot of short money came at the end of the week, making Denver one-point favorites at game time, whereas they started off the week as two-point dogs. 
Anyway, we predicted that the Patriots' defense would sort itself out and they would have a good showing at home, which they did. So overall, we are 51-32 and 32 against the spread. Uh, so that includes weeks two through seven. Um, this doesn't include Thursday games nor week one as we did not publicly post all of our picks on our Facebook page. All right, let's begin with the news of the week. Martavis Bryant, once again this week, was clamoring for a trade. He even called out teammate Juju Smith-Schuster on Instagram with a very Shakespearean-style eloquence. Let me quote, Juju is nowhere near better than me, fool, Bryant commented. All they need to do is give me what I want, and y'all can have Juju and whoever else. Bryant then clarified those remarks with a new comment that tags Smith-Schuster, the rookie, who caught a 31-yard touchdown on Sunday and has cut into Bryant's playing time. Brian called Smith-Schuster the future, but adds, I just want mines, period, point blank, citing his hard work coming back from a 2016 suspension for multiple drug violations. He then went so far as to call in sick for practice on Monday. Mike Tomlin finally acted like a head coach and relegated him to the scout team for this week's game against the Lions. The dumpster fire continues. I don't like your jerk-off name. I don't like your jerk-off face, I don't like your jerk-off behavior, and I don't like you jerk-off. The NFL has announced that Justin Timberlake will headline the halftime show in this year's Super Bowl. This comes 14 years after the famous wardrobe malfunction with Janet Jackson, whose nipple was briefly exposed on live TV. After 14 years, we kind of forget the shitstorm that this created. The FCC actually tried to find CBS for $550,000 for this half-second nip slip. How much do you think the fine would be for a good old-fashioned presidential pussy grab? Grab him by the pussy. <laughs> I can do anything. The Fighting Irish of Notre Dame are now ranked in the top 10 after a very impressive win against the USC on Saturday night. They rushed for 377 yards, bringing their season average to a very four-horseman-like 318 yards per game. Remember the name Josh Adams, because that kid's on fire. And I'm talking to you GMs out there, specifically you, John Lynch. <laughs> now, with a tough schedule still ahead, with all the teams remaining being above 500, they should have a shot at the national championship if they win outright. No punchline here. We are just happy and wanted to share. And finally, after last week's Thursday night game, where the refs called some ridiculous penalties that gave Oakland three shots at the end zone after time ran out, the NFL's decided to make a few changes to its pregame ceremonies. Since the referees are obviously trying to make themselves the new stars of the league with their constant interference, the NFL has decided that referees will now be introduced while running down the players' tunnel through the smoke and fireworks. This way, maybe the referees can get their attention whoring out of the way so they'll stop inserting themselves into every play. Look, just because your mom is watching back in rural buttfuck Idaho with the rest of your slack-jawed, chromosomally deficient family uh, doesn't mean you have to be on TV 
more than the fucking starting quarterbacks of the teams you're officiating. Keep the flags in your pockets and let us fans enjoy the game. The officiating in this league is a damn disgrace. When they decide games, that's when we're in real trouble. All right, let's fire it up with our weekly picks. So we have Thursday Night Football, and Woody has already made his pick. And trust me, it was extremely controversial. I'm guessing that he got a last-second injury report and realized that Jake Cutler was out of the lineup. Spoiler alert, he's liking the Ravens. So check out the video of this on our Facebook page, Almost Wise Guys. And for the benefit of our new listeners, Maddie and I have refused to make picks on Thursday night games because they are garbage. Garbage. They increase the risk of garbage. Absolute garbage. They increase the risk of injury for the players. The coaches don't get enough time to prepare. They complicate office pools and fantasy leagues. So as a way to protest these games nonviolently, we have my three-year-old beagle choose the winner of the game by selecting from one of two dishes of food indigenous to the areas of both teams playing. So, for example, this week featured a Cuban sandwich to represent Miami and a hot Maryland crab dip to represent Baltimore. If these matchups don't get a little better, we may have to reevaluate our policy of not violently protesting this. Minnesota at Cleveland. Cleveland is a nine and a half point dog. That actually seems pretty uh, low considering how bad Cleveland is. Well, let's clarify this. Yes, it's at Cleveland, but it's not even close to Cleveland. It's at Twickenham Stadium in London. Um, A very frightening matchup indeed. These England games have not even been close so far this year. Jacksonville beat the Ravens 44 to 7. The Saints beat up on the Dolphins 20-zip, and the surging Rams took it to the aging Cardinals last week at Twickenham, 33 to nothing. It generally comes down to the team traveling that has the most discipline that wins these England matchups. I believe this nod definitely favors Mike Zimmer and his purple people eaters. So, 17 is actually the key number in this matchup. And let me qualify that. 17 points per game is what the Vikings are allowing on defense. Fifth best in the NFL. And 17 is how many interceptions it's taken three Browns quarterbacks to throw this year. Worst in the league. Yeah, I heard that Browns fans are petitioning to have the players' passports revoked once the game's ended to ensure no more embarrassing losses at home in Ohio. Like, I feel sorry for the Brits who have to watch this dumpster fire of a team live. And the other thing I forgot to mention was the injury to left tackle Joe Thomas who was their equivalent to Cal Ripken Jr. playing a consecutive 10,363 snaps. He's gone for the season with a tricep injury, and they're going to miss his presence greatly. Don't let this big spread scare you. I'm Screaming Vikings. Screaming Vikings. Screaming Vikings. Screaming Vikings. All right, Atlanta at the surprising New York Jets. 
The Jets are four and a half point dogs at home. Well, the Falcons are clearly missing their offensive services of Kyle Shanahan. Uh, They've looked anemic on that side of the ball this year, which is pretty unacceptable if you consider the weapons that they have at their disposal. You've got Matty Ice, Julio, Devontae. It goes, but they've got three wins. And Matt, guess what? Guess who else has three wins? The J-E-T-S, Jets. And let me clarify that. The overperforming, quote-unquote, spread-covering team from East Rutherford is 4-0-1 against the spread in the last five games. Ironically, if it wasn't for a Matt Moore fourth-quarter comeback and a very questionable overturned touchdown call against the Patriots, they could be at the top of their division. And speaking of the Patriots, there was a lot of sharp money coming in on Atlanta last Sunday night. And if you simply look at the way both teams played against the Super Bowl champs in the last two weeks, clearly the Jets had the better outing. The look-ahead line before Sunday had the Falcons as six-point favorites. It then opened at four and a half, where it is now. Look for McCown to have a monster day. My pick, the Jets. Sasquatch, Godzilla, King Kong, Loch Ness, Goblin, Ghoul, a zombie with no conscience. Question, what do these things all have in common? Everybody knows I'm a motherfucking monster. Conquer, stop your, stop your silly... The Jets haven't had this good a squad since a mink coat rocking Broadway Joe Namath was quarterback. Let's just hope they can close the deal better than Broadway Joe when he tried to close the deal on Susie Kobler. I want to kiss you. I couldn't care less about the team struggling. I want to kiss you. Thanks, Joe. Yeah! Huge compliment. Da Bears. Da Bears. Right before we talk about Da Bears, Chicago at New Orleans. New Orleans, nine-point favorites at home. Now, how could we... Oh, Oh, no, no, sorry. Carry on, Matty. Well, how could we possibly have a Halloween special without including the team from the scariest, spookiest city in the land, which is home to Demdare Saints? NOLA will be rocking, and for once, their fans dressed in costumes will simply look festive instead of the creepy-ass Cajun degenerates, which they are the rest of the season. Well, the Bears did win last week, but that was at home, and now they're on the road facing a team that is putting up more than 28 points and 390 yards per game. The Saints have also made their defense respectable, which statistically is right around league average in most categories. Hang on, hang on. There's breaking news here. A major trial is taking place between a federal prosecutor and a Bears fan whose name coincidentally is Batty Muller. Let's go right to the courtroom to hear the testimony. What you are witnessing is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in a California municipal court. Both parties have agreed to dismiss their court cases and have their dispute settled here in our forum, the People's Court. Mr. Muller, would you please take the stand? Do you acknowledge that Mitchell Trubisky threw seven passes for four completions? Yeah, a respectable 57%. Can you please read the box score aloud for the benefit of the jury? How many total rushing yards did the Bears have? 68. And while you are still looking at the box score, how many first downs did Chicago have? Five. Are you aware that the last time a team won a game with only five first downs was in 1950? Well, that was probably back when Ditko was playing tight end for the Bears. 
I, I think on one of those first downs, Dicka actually took the ball on an end around, passed it downfield to himself, where he made a spectacular one-handed catch. Great first down in Bears history. Do you know that your safety returned two touchdowns for over 75 yards, first time in NFL history? Yeah, I'm aware of that. The Bears secondary is hungrier than a Bears fan standing in line for a couple Polish sausages before kickoff, my friend. Now, as a football fan, do you believe that this type of scoring is sustainable? For most teams, I do not. However, if Dicka were coaching, then anything would be possible. Now, with the exception of a 70-yard completion to Rick Cohen, are you aware that the second longest Bears passing play of the year was for 38 yards and was thrown by Pat O'Donnell, their punter. Oh, yeah. It was a good pass. In fact, O'Donnell's got a great arm, and we should be developing his talent in case of injury. Please tell the court which side you favor against the spread in this week's game against the Saints in the Big Easy. Oh, that's easy. This week, we returned three interceptions for touchdowns and a certain team from a certain town that starts with a C and ends with an O and has a hickog in the middle, wins the game. Stop, Bears. Stop, Bears. The prosecution rests, Your Honor. Well, that was really interesting, Maddie. Um, I'm going to say for the Bears, it will be a nightmare in New Orleans. Spine-chilling Saints. And I'd like to go on the record by saying... I'd really like to have a beer with that Batty Muller guy. Sounds like a great dude. Yeah, I've heard good things. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me. I'm living on the air in Cincinnati. Cincinnati WKRP. Got kind of tired of packing and unpacking Town to town, up and down the dial Maybe you and me were never meant to be Just maybe think of me once in a while I'm at WKRP in Cincinnati The next game on the docket features the Colts of Indianapolis at the Natty, where the Bungles are 10.5-point favorites. Uh, And it's a 42-point total, which is interesting. Now, teams that play the Steelers, typically the week after, have a very horrible against-the-spread record, just because of the physicality of that Pittsburgh defense. Now, couple that with the fact that Indy is actually 9-2 and two straight up in its last 11 games in playing Cincinnati. I think the spread is way too high, especially for a low total like 42. Um, I, think, I think in our Week 2 podcast, I predicted that Chuck Pagano would be gone by the time the World Series wraps up. He's going to need at least a good showing to steam Jim Ursay's good books. I'm going to take the points for the Colts. <laughs> Well, now we move to Foxborough. New England is seven-point favorites at home against the L.A. Chargers. What, uh, what say you about this one, Andy? Well, this one opened at seven and then quickly moved off that number to seven and a half. Now it's bounced back down to seven. But the Chargers don't really play any home games this year. Uh, the StubHub Center in Carson, California, is a very far cry from the Murph back home in San Diego. Fantastic. 
Belichick has quieted the critics about their defense, and he's allowed an average of 10 points per game in their last three games. Game time for this one is 1 p.m. local, so it's unlikely that they're going to have that Brigadoon-like fog again to help the home team. I did, however, I love that point-of-view camera angles that they were forced to use against the Falcons because you couldn't see anything else in the stadium. kind of felt like I was playing Madden. Anyway, New England has won seven of their last eight at home against the Bolts. But I'm thinking this year, this spread is a little high. Uh, News just came out today that Dante Hightower is out for the season with a torn pectoral muscle. He's the heart and soul of the defense. Now, after losing their first four and now finding themselves in the thick of a divisional race, I'm liking the Chargers to play well and cover this one. The blood-curdling bolts is my pick. Well, I got to actually disagree with you on this one, my brother. Uh, New England's finally remembered how to play defense, and they still have the golden boy under center last time I checked. Conversely, the Chargers are coming all the way across the country to play the defending Super Bowl champs at Gillette Stadium with a different time change. This is too early for those guys. They like to sleep in late. Uh, Gillette Stadium is one of the best home field advantages in all of professional sports as well. I think this one gets out of hand early in the Pats cover at home. Well, we can talk about the Pats defense a little bit. And, you know, if you think about it, they, yeah, okay, they held the Falcons to seven points in the fog. No one could see anything. Matt Ryan was actually the first quarterback this season not to throw for 300 yards on them. Now, if you go back to the game before against the Jets and they had that one uh, touchdown recalled in the end zone. Um, that totally skewed their average points per game. I don't believe that their their defense is back to what it used to be. Um, a far cry. And I think that Phillip is going to take advantage of it. He's going to have a pretty big day in the air. Um, I, I see the, the balance, or at least the uh, low balancing split between the running backs uh, and the Chargers backfield. They'll do all right there, but yeah, um, look for a big day for Philip Rivers, and uh, yeah, I'm going to absolutely stick with the charges and the points. Well, that's why they call you the prognosticator, brother. Well, well I try my best. Well, now we're on to my team. The San Niners. Francisco. The Niners, who are playing in the city of brotherly love. Uh, the Eagles are 13 and a half point favorites. It's a big spread. It's a big spread. Now, Philadelphia impressed a lot of people on a primetime game last Monday night against Washington. Uh, Carson Wentz put on a damn clinic. Um, unfortunately, what occurred during that game was the loss of Jason Peters, their nine-time pro bowler, on left tackle, who had to leave the game and the rest of the season with a torn ACL. And that's huge for them. That's, that's going to be big. Um, if you want to go a little bit deeper in the numbers, the last 10 times the Eagles have played on Monday night, the following game, they're 1-9 and nine against the spread. Conversely, the 49ers are 4-1 and one against the spread in the last five road games. Now, I guarantee you Shanahan and Lynch and everyone involved in the 49er organization is tired of being in the same conversation as the Cleveland Browns. Uh, there's actually a line available for total combined wins for these two teams for the rest of the season. Total combined wins between the Browns and the 49ers. Guess what that is? Three and a half? 
one and a half. One and a half. That's that's how little people think of them. Wow. And that's pissing somebody off somewhere. Um, I'm picking the Niners to cover, man. I agree. This is a, a freaking ridiculous spread. 13 and a half point spreads are for college football. You know, Philly is playing great ball right now. And let's not get carried away, though. It's not like they're the 85 Bears. The Niners keep it within 10. Also, Andy, as a note of consolation, I know the Niners are in down times right now, but anybody mm-hmm. that puts you in the same conversation of the Browns... Uh, you can be shot. Yeah, you can go two <laughs> fingers up because uh, somebody can point to some Super Bowl trophies and somebody else can't. Absolutely. Yeah, so Absolutely. remember that, Browns I, I, fans. I, I, Scoreboard, motherfuckers. <laughs> I appreciate the show support. I'm always uh, looking out for a brother. Game is- Ah, I know, I know. We got Houston against the hated Seattle Shithawks. Shithawks. <laughs> who are five and a half point favorites. Honestly, I'll be, I'll, no, I'll be very honest. I, I've been going back and forth all week with this game. I heard, I heard an interesting stat, which all, because it's Halloween, I'll call it a spooky stat. Seattle is 0-8 against the spread in week eight in the past eight seasons. That's kind of weird, but that's odd. Uh, I I think there's it's a pretty big sample size, so I'm not going to say there's nothing to it, but uh, it's interesting. Now on the on Houston side, because we've obviously been talking a lot about left tackles uh, this podcast. So on a positive note, Dwayne Brown has actually entered his holdout and has signed a deal um, with the Texans. So. He was practicing as early as Monday, and it's likely that he'll be starting at left tackle. And he is a huge upgrade to their O line. What does that do? Gives Deshaun Watson even more time in the pocket. And um, Seattle's defense is really coming on strong as they do at this time of the year. But Deshaun Watson, oh my God, so multi-dimensional. Um, it's it's going to open things up. I, I again, I don't think they're going to win, but they're going to keep this one. They got to keep this one close. Um, I just I know Seattle's a tough tough joint to win in, but mm, I think Deshaun Watson surprises even more people this week. I'm taking this, the uh, Texans. Yeah, Houston is already killing it behind an electric rookie quarterback, and even though they've got a few key injuries, they're employing the next man up strategy by the book of Hoyle. And Seattle, though they enjoy a nice home field advantage, but I think if they do win, it's going to be tight by about a field goal or less. I like the Texans as well. Washington Redskins, go fuck yourself. Sure, we'd be happy to take your money. Yep, just go to our Kickstarter page. Okay, nice idiot. Uh-huh, fuck you. Bye-bye. All right, we got Dallas at Washington. The Redskins are one-and-a-half-point dogs at home. And, Andy, this is one of the better division rivalries in all of the NFL, is it not? I think it's uh, I think it's one of the best. Absolutely, a thrilling matchup indeed. Both teams. It's, this is interesting. So both teams have had a chance to play the 49ers in the past twelve days. Obviously, with Dallas looking a lot better than the professional team from Washington, I bring this up because I feel like that comparison is driving this line a little. Meaning, there seems to be a bit of an overreaction to the Cowboys' big win. And the fact that is now less than a field goal means a lot, in fact, because Dallas place kicker uh, Dan Bailey will be on the IR for several weeks. 
So what did they do? They went out, they signed Mike Nugent this week, who was put on waivers last December by the Bengals after a bunch of missed field goals and no less than six missed PATs. I think they would have been better off signing Ted Nugent. Interesting fact, Dallas is in Texas, which is a very firearm-friendly state. That means Dallas could have a good chance at landing the Nuge as a free agent signing. This would also be great if the Cowboys were looking to increase the douche factor in the locker room. Mm, I think Zeke's already put them over the quota for that one. Touche. All right, so we're at spooky stat number two for the week, this Halloween week. So last week, um, I hate to say it, I hate the fact that it's coming out of my mouth, but the, uh, the Cowboys beat the 49ers 40 to 10. That hurts. It it hurts. And in doing so, Dallas uh, uh, outscored the Cardinals, the Panthers, the Colts, the Broncos, the Browns, the Giants, the 49ers, the Titans, and the Falcons. Wait for it. They beat these teams combined points. Yes, they beat. They literally beat nine teams combined points last week. I want me some glory, ho. The unfortunate thing with this game is that we won't have Jay Gruden's brother color commentating, telling millions of people that everything's good in Washington and that Jay's a great coach. Washington is now essentially three games back of the Eagles for their division since they lost both head-to-head matchups. If they want to keep pace... They got to pull out a W soon. Josh Norman, though, will likely be back in the lineup. Big boost to their defensive secondary. Since Halloween, I'm going to say that they have a visit from the ghost of Sammy Baugh for a pregame pep talk. I'd like them to cover at home. My pick, look out for some wicked witchcraft from the team from Washington. Sunday night in the Motor City. It's Detroit taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Detroit, two-and-a-half-point home dogs. What's up with that, Andy? Well, you're right. Steel Town meets Motor Town. Uh, difference here is one team has played in eight Super Bowls. The other, none. Bob Kiss. This one will be played. <laughs> the other- yeah. Fuck Detroit. This one was going to. Well, <laughs> yeah, I feel sorry for their but fans. I'm I a Bears fan. Well, they're like Cubs fans before last year. Um, <laughs> this one will be played at Ford Field, where Stafford's numbers are considerably better than when he is on the road. And the Steelers' defense this year looks like, well, a normal Dick LeBeau Steelers' defense. They've been playing well. They're mostly healthy and without any glaring deficiencies. And they are one of the stingiest, having 4.43 yards per play allowed, lowest in the league. The Steelers are 8-1 and one when playing the Lions. That being said, <laughs> that being said, I do, however, like the spot for Detroit, who's coming off a bye week. They're at home, and they're getting the points. The devilish Detroit Lions are my pick. Well, Pittsburgh is showing they haven't forgotten how to win, but they're still not playing like the dominant Steelers you'd think they'd be because on paper they're the better team. 
However, they've struggled against lesser teams this year and have looked out of sync at times. The Lions are up and down as well, but you're right about Stafford. The guy is a completely different quarterback at home, and last I checked, this one's at Ford Field, so I'm taking the home dog to cover. Well, all of Andy's rowdy friends are going to be coming over Monday night. They're going to be watching Denver play Kansas City at Arrowhead. And Kansas City, a pretty large seven-point favorite over the Broncos. And that's pretty large, is it not, Andy? Well, you know, these two teams came into the season with great expectations. And barring a tie, one of them is going to leave this game on a three-game losing skid. So... KC lost a close one to the Steelers and an even closer one this past Monday night to the Raiders. The Broncos, however, were embarrassed at home with a loss to the Giants and then proceeded to have a cadaverous performance on the road against divisional opponents, the LA Chargers. Denver is 5-1 and one straight up in the past six games with playing the Chiefs on the road. Again, this is a spot where the market has overreacted to the Broncos' loss. They have the talent and the coaching staff to get this thing back on track. I don't know if they're going to win all right, but I'm certainly going to take the points at a touchdown. I'm picking the Broncos. Yeah, I think Kansas City wins this game outright, but I also think this large of a point spread is a gift to us gamblers. Uh, Denver doesn't have to travel that far, and their defense can present a pretty decent challenge to Alex Smith. Also, this is Halloween weekend. Who knows what kind of strange and eerie fourth quarter clock management boners or spooky odd calls that Andy Reid might make. I'm liking Denver to cover the spread. Yeah, Matty, you're absolutely right. They don't play this game with a round ball. Anything can happen. Now it's time to dial up the White House. We got the hotline right to President Trump. And President Trump, as you know, loves to talk about the old pigskin. So, Mr. President, there's a quarterback controversy emerging in Denver. The recently poor play of Trevor Simeon has raised questions as to whether Brock Osweiler should be the starting quarterback. What do you think? I like talent, and they're both very talented people. And it's a hard decision. It's actually a very, very important decision. People have no, most people have no idea how important that position is. Mr. President, Carson Wentz demonstrated this week that he is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. The Eagles fans are really embracing him. How would you have described the mood at Lincoln Financial Field on Monday night? I, I called it a love fest. It was almost a love fest. Maybe it was a love fest. But we get standing ovations. Mr. President, thanks for your time. We both really love your pumpkin mask. It's too bad those bone spurs, though, will prevent you from trick-or-treating in the D.C. area this year. So we're going to move on to some fantasy talk, as you know. Every now and then, the commish stops by. He's our good buddy, commissioner of my fantasy football league. And, uh, well, he gives us his two cents on what's going down in the fantasy world. 
Well, um, Mr. Kamish, I had someone ask me this week my opinion on a multiplayer trade involving three different positions. Aside from number of statistical projections, what other factors would you consider in evaluating an offer like this? Multiplayer trades, eh? All right. Remember, almost every player is matchup dependent. It's especially true with kickers and defenses. Even if you've got the best ones in the league, you can find replacement production on the waiver wire. For example, as good as the Broncos were last year, uh, it was a below average fantasy unit as an underdog. Meanwhile, an average defensive team like, let's say, the Lions has its fair share of above average fantasy games as a favorite. If the Seahawks defense is what it will take to move the needle and make a trade happen, do it. In general, be willing to trade away players and one starter position for back or receiver depth. That's going to be the cost of getting business done. Now, a lot of owners decide to trade's fairness by comparing fantasy points of players involved, but the players are more valuable at positions where you need to fill out more than one starting slot. In unbalanced deals, let's say one stud can be worth more than two players who equal his fantasy points. When in doubt, you got to look at stuff like uh, the 4 for 4 trade analyzer, which is a great tool you can find online. Which matchups this week between tight ends and opposing defenses offer some juicy potential? Ugh, tight ends. It has been an awful year for tight ends, but it is time we officially welcome Zach Ertz to the Trusted Tight End Club. He has been an oasis in this desert. The biggest criticism against his game is that he's rarely found the end zone. He's now got five touchdowns through seven games which is a career high for that guy. Carson Wentz, of course, deserves some of that credit, but he's shaping up to be the best passing options for the Eagles right now in his fifth season. The other guy you want to keep an eye on this week, uh, Jason Witten versus Washington. He's ageless. He's a wonder. He continues to be a fantasy player at age 35. He's no longer a must-start every week. He's still a solid tight end, and you can get by with him. He's become more of a factor recently. He's got 17 passes over his last two games on 22 targets. He's now going to face a Washington D that's allowing the second most fantasy points to tight ends this season. Start Witten this week. With injuries to Aaron Rodgers, Carson Palmer, and Jake Cutler, and no chance of Andrew Luck returning anytime soon, which backup quarterback should people be looking to assuming most of the starters are already held by other owners. Well, if you're anything like everybody, you're probably looking for a replacement QB at this point in the season because, hey, let's face it, all the ones that went early are probably hurt, unless the guy's name is Tom Brady. Number one guy you want to look at to pick up as a replacement, uh, Jared Jeff from the Rams. You look around a lot of leagues, he's only 38% owned. Seems low, but then again, he had two straight games of sub-10 points in standard QB scoring. You take a closer look, though, and those games were against the Seahawks and the Jaguars. Pick him up as your starter immediately if you're looking for somebody and he's available in your league. Another guy, Teddy Bridgewater. He's a super sleeper pick. Sounds like he's getting ready to return from that leg injury he suffered last preseason. And with Sam Bradford still out... The Vikings could use this guy who was supposed to be their starter in 2016. Running back's a position that's always riddled with injuries, so this time of year a lot of fantasy players are looking to the waiver wire for salvation. What do you think about Latavius Murray from the Vikes or uh, Jalen Richard from the Raiders for pickups this week? Also, do you see any other potential running backs that be able to help an injury-plagued roster? 
Well, Murray had the best game of the season in Week 7. He got 113 yards, a touchdown, and 18 carries. He didn't have a target, but his 18 carries were one more total touch than Jarek McKinnon got in the win over the Ravens. The game script certainly worked in Murray's favor. Shouldn't detract from what he did. He looked like a different back on Sunday. Uh, ripping off a 35-yard run, a 29-yard run, the latter of which he took into the house. Murray himself said uh, the week that Cook tore his ACL, that he was still recovering from off-season ankle surgery, and that was plain to see from anybody who's watched him in the last few seasons. He looked like he finally put the injury behind him this past Sunday. Minnesota's backfield is still going to remain a timeshare the rest of the season, and Murray's going to be a danger of falling out of the game plan during the weeks where the Vikings fall behind. On the flip side, he'll get fed when the team is nursing a lead. As was the case this past Sunday, the game script should be in the Vikings' favor again this week when they host the Browns. He's a worthy starter again uh, coming up this week. Uh, With Marshawn Lynch sitting down this week, They've got a couple options, Dondre Washington and Jalen Richard. Richard has been the team's highest graded player this season, per PFF, just like he was last season. He has also averaged more fantasy points per touch than Washington since the start of last season. Now, we're dealing with a small sample size all around, but every single indicator points to one conclusion. Richard is the better player. Fantasy owners should approach Oakland's backfield with that in mind this week. Thank you to all our fans for listening to episode eight of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week eight games across the NFL. Thanks again to President Trump for his insights and also the commission for his fantasy advice from the Cosa Nostra studios. For Andy, the prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel and a very scary sayonara. There's something strange in your neighborhood. Who you gonna call?
You just want some more I think you better call 